Thanks to Nancy for reading our scripture reading today. It seems sort of out of place from all the stories about Jesus' teaching and preaching and healing people, not to mention trying to lead and teach the disciples how to lead themselves, especially when they'll have to continue this work that Jesus has begun when he is no longer right by their side. And in the midst of all of that, we have this story that is so complex and hard to understand, and it leaves you wondering, what does it all mean? And what is Jesus trying to say to us this day through it? Well, let's begin where Jesus did, on a mountaintop, and for the purpose of praying, of gathering close together with God. And the disciples are exhausted and they are struggling to stay awake when out of the blue, these two figures appear before their eyes, Moses and Elijah, the two great figures of old, of representative of the law and the prophets. And you had to put yourself in the disciples' shoes here for a second. Maybe you can think of a time when you were deep in sleep and having a vivid dream that you're trying to figure out where you are and what's going on and what's being said. Or maybe you're in the midst of a really deep sleep and someone comes to wake you up and they try telling you something very important that you need to know and you cannot wake up fast enough to try and figure out what's going on and what they're saying to you and what you need to do to respond to what they're telling you. That's where the disciples are in our gospel. If we go back to this image of a mountaintop, it's one of those places that brings so many other stories to our minds from the Bible too. The mountaintop is so often where God appears before people. It's the, um, it's the way that God appears in all of the, the dramatic effects of sights and sounds of voices coming through clouds and um, uh, just the, the holiness, the high um, elevation of getting there, of coming close to literally the heavens themselves. And it also brings to our minds the story of Moses when Moses uh, went up the mountaintop and had an encounter of his own with God, realized he was on holy ground. And just like Jesus, his face too changed before, um, before God's eyes and before the eyes um, of the people as they looked upon him when he came back down with what God had told him to bring back to the people. And so mountaintops often also become the ways in which we talk about those times, those moments in our lives that shape us, that impact us, that leave us wanting to hold on to them, to stay in those places and those moments of time even if we know that that's not quite possible. We talk about the mountain highs of our life, 
the moments or situations in our lives that have been filled with this great feeling of joy and um, euphoria and uh, maybe love, maybe being able to see great beauty in front of your eyes, maybe being filled with this deep sense of gratitude for everything around you, being able to look back down the mountain and see from where you've come. Maybe the mountain high in your own life has been times in which you felt spiritually close to God, where, where you felt the power of his love and you knew that no matter what you faced, you weren't facing it alone. Maybe the mountain highs that you've experienced have been those moments in life where they're, they're so hard to put into words and you just experience them with every part of your body. And um, they are simply miracles that take place that um, are just these amazing things that you would never think would have been possible uh, without the hand of God playing a little role. There are moments of incredible um, uh, glory and majesty and that leave you feeling odd and maybe even a little fearful too of how small you are in comparison to how big God is. But I'm not sure that we could ever say that miracles are always found in those mountain highs of life. Though we would like to, and though we wish that would be true, and we wish that mountain tops would be the only places that we would ever dwell, that there would be no climb upward, and that there would be no descent back down the mountain, and that there would never be the hard places along the ways, the valley lows that we find ourselves walking in, <laughs> and wandering through at various points in our lives. Those are real places where the threat of war suddenly becomes a reality, overnight even. And all of the terrifying, horrific things that are part of that suddenly change your life in ways that you can't ever fully prepare for. And you don't even know what to do when you find yourself in those places. There are those places in our lives where we encounter such immense sadness and loss and, um, and uncertainty and maybe even frustration and hopelessness and despair. And we don't know what to do about it. We don't know how to leave those places. And it seems as if the longer that we're there, the worse that they get, the, the, the bigger their effect on us. There are these places where we don't have a very good vantage point 
in which to see what's around us and what's to come. And sometimes the reason for that is others who are imposing their limiting beliefs on us, not allowing us to have any other perspective to see from. Sometimes we refer to these as the valley lows of our life. And they are things that happen at all different levels, um, from, from little things to big things, from things that last a few days or a few weeks to things that last years and lifetimes and, and centuries and centuries, things that continue to have their, their effect on us and on our world. Things that have great power, but power that is not for good. Power that hurts and harms and destroys and power that even sometimes brings death. Death that happens on so many different levels too. Sometimes physical death. Sometimes death of possibility. Death of hope death of all things good, death of change, or the possibility of change. What if in this passage, God tries to remind us that we have incredible power, power that's meant not to be used for harm or death or destruction, but power that's meant for good. What if through this passage, Jesus is trying to tell us that God makes each and every one of us great, but a greatness that doesn't come when we compare ourselves and put ourselves above someone else, but greatness that comes to each and every one of us so that we can do the great things that God asks of us and God desires for us to do, to be a part of helping his vision to become a little bit closer to reality here and now in the messiness and the brokenness and in the pain of it all. What if through this passage, Jesus is trying to say to us that we have the ability to do great things in Jesus' name. And what if we have the power to be able to receive miracle upon miracle upon miracle, not just in the mountaintop places of life, but especially when we find ourselves in the most difficult, scary, uncertain places as well. What if Jesus tries to speak to us that the miracles we most need to look for and trust and work to make known are the ones that come to be discovered in the places of pain and in the places of fear and desperation, in those deep, deep, dark valleys, 
and even on mountaintops too, when we have no idea that our world is going to be turned upside down by the very one who works miracles, not just in the easiest of places and ways, but the very places in which we would think it would never be possible. In the places of betrayal, of suffering, of death, and even resurrection too. <laughs> and as we prepare for that story, as we remember, as we hear it, as we see it, may we also proclaim it and proclaim the power of the good news that it has for each of us and for our world, that because of Christ, not even the most powerful forces in this world will have any power, but will be left powerless. And we, We'll have the power to do the work that God calls us to do. To do great things in Jesus' name. Great things for goodness for those around us. And goodness and peace for our world. May it be so.